All right, let's go hour number three on a Monday. Last week of June, July's on the way. Still hot as it can be outside. Please be careful out there. Stay cool if you can. We've had a good time already. We hope Zay's having a good time on his vacation, his honeymoon to be exact. Our man Cameron Parker is sitting in for most of the week. I appreciate that. You hear Cameron on Light the Tower. He did that today, and he's doing this show today. I do appreciate all that hard work. I'm Chad Hastings. Uh, We had Joe Cook on earlier from Inside Texas. Huge recruiting weekend for the Longhorns. Jarek Gibson commits to the Longhorns. Stud running back out of Florida to go with the stud running back out of Arizona that was a part of last week with Christian Clark. We hit all that. College World Series tonight. Florida and LSU. And we also mentioned, we'll keep mentioning it this week, congrats to those Round Rock Dragons. They went to 7-on-7 and they did not lose. Mason Cochran and the crew swept 7-on-7 and won the championship over A&M Consolidated. We'll be getting you more details on that as the week progresses. Uh, And thanks to Mark Henry for dropping by as well. He's a proud dad getting ready for a a high school football season uh, as Jacob is going to be a part of that Vandegrift team, of course. And he's getting ready as a big college fan. We're 68 days away from his Texas Longhorns getting after it with Rice. So a lot of stuff going on. It is a crazy vacation week for us around here. We got one person on each show with a vacation. Uh, So I thought as part of this show this week, we would highlight a lot of the other guys that you'll hear throughout the week. And that includes our next guest. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. I don't get a chance to talk with him on air like this much, so I like to do it every once in a while with Aaron Hogan from B&E, 6 to 10 each and every morning. E. Hogan, what's up, man? Hello, Chad. Yeah, I mean, all the uh, smart guys on our station took the week off with 4th of July coming, so they're going to get a little extended break, but that's good. Hope everybody has a good good time, and we'll be all cranked back up next week. Yeah, I think we all need to have a deal that the rest of us that are left behind this week, we need to figure this out next year. Like, we got to figure that out, yeah. how, to, yeah, uh, how, to, how to do that. Um, but I know, you're, uh, I know you're big into baseball, and I wanted to get your thoughts on a few different things. Um, first off, let's just start with tonight. LSU Florida, it's been such a wild show. Great Omaha, close games, and then we get another close game followed by a take-you-to-the-woodshed beating that I don't think anybody saw coming. What have you made out of LSU and Florida so far? Well, I mean, the the Saturday game was, as you said, like we all thought it would be, tough and tight in extra innings. And then I think yesterday's game – Got away from LSU early, and you give Florida a lot of credit. They could really swing the bat. White Langford, uh, K- K- Caglione, they're, they're really good, and they got it going. And I think by the fourth inning in that game, LSU kind of waved the white flag, and they used a lot of bullpen arms that you know they don't use a lot. They got outside of their main guys just to kind of realize that tonight's the bigger night and all those guys should be fresh. So I think it's one of the reasons it got out of hand. And uh, the wind was blowing out, and it's supposed to be blowing out again tonight, which is rare. Normally in Omaha and that, that stadium downtown, you know, Rosenblatt, the old place I used to play, used to howl out of there, and they'd have all kinds of high-scoring pinball games. But uh, the new stadium plays a lot of times with the wind blowing in straight from center field and at the big ballpark. So uh, that should add some intrigue to tonight, that it might be a little bit more of an offensive kind of game if the wind is indeed blowing out you know, 10, 15 miles an hour this evening. Uh, both teams can really swing the bat. We know that. And it's really going to come down to who can get 27 outs and who can pitch. And uh, the fascinating part is Paul Skeens, 
and whether he's going to pitch tonight, right? He's already started twice in Omaha Saturday or last Saturday and then last Thursday, and he's thrown 240-some pitches over two starts. Uh, he's going to be the number one draft pick coming up in July. Um, but, you know, what do you do? You need your best pitcher if you can. It's only three and a half days rest for him. Um, but he could become a major factor tonight. The the manager for LSU, Jay Johnson, really hasn't addressed it. Well, he didn't. He said we will figure it out. But I would expect we had Coach Ty Harrington on the show this morning uh, with us with in for Bucky, and he fully believes we'll see Paul Skeens tonight. The question is, will he start? Will he come in later? Um, you know, when will we see him? But I bet we'll, we will see him on the Florida side. You're going to get the baseball's version of Shohei Otani, uh, Caglione, the left-hander for Florida. You know, he's got 31 home runs this year at first base, but he also pitches and hits 99 from the left side. He's really good. So. Um, you know, these two teams are very familiar with one another, obviously, coming out of the same conference. And uh, this should be one heck of a game tonight. We really couldn't ask for much more as far as subplots and storylines going into this game tonight. Yeah, Aaron, back to the Skeens discussion. Somebody sent us a great, the great comment on Twitter. I know a lot of people have seen where Kurt Schilling responded with three days rest at what, 2021? Take the effing ball. Now, that's the extreme version of just should he be involved. But you brought up the question of do you start him? Or do you bring him in for the you know, the impact situations? Earlier I asked Joe Cook of Inside Texas. He said make it an impact situation. Make it later in the game when you absolutely need him. My gut would tell me if this guy's used to being a starter and he's your badass starter and that's all if that's what he's been for you, then you gotta start him and then get somebody ready. You know a lot of baseball, you've coached it, you played it. What do you think? Well, I, I tend to agree with you uh, because, as Coach Harrington said this morning, I think accurately, if you don't start them, there may not be a later. You know what I mean? If, if, if <laughs> right. the starters you go with instead gets roughed up and Florida keeps doing what they were doing yesterday, you know, you, you may not have an opportunity to get into a high leverage situation. Obviously, that's the negative way if you're an LSU fan, but I think you kind of have to see it that way if you're going to go with them. I mean, if you're Jay Johnson and you agreed with he and his family and you know, uh, your trainers that he's good to go and give him the ball. He's that kind of player. I mean, he is a, a real intense guy. Uh, he wants to pitch. Uh, he's 6'6". Six, six. He's 250, you know, 40 pounds. So, he's a, to Kurt Schilling's point, he's a workhorse. And, you know, you also have to add to this, in Major League Baseball, Chad, you'll go on, every, on, on a third day in a big postseason series because you're making a lot of money and it's your job and they need you. Well, guess what? A lot of these guys are now making a lot of money through NIL and it, it kind of changes the equation that these aren't, you know, back when it was, uh, you know, high school players like Kerry Wood or some Longhorn pitchers in the day, Brooks Kieschnick, those guys weren't making money and they were still putting their future earnings on the line by pitching a lot of innings. In this case, you know, the numbers are pretty significant for what Paul Skeens is making through NIL. Uh, that's part of it, you know, go, go to the mound and, and help your team and, and earn it. Um, but again, you don't want to see a gun guy get hurt. He's that talented. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm more with Kurt Schilling and Coach Harrington this morning. He's your ace. He hasn't pitched since Thursday. See what he can give you. If he can give you, you know, five or six innings, you know, we saw the kid at Stanford, the left-hander against Texas, throw 156 pitches. And, um, you know, when you, your team needs you and it's a big spot, I think we're going to see Paul Skeens. And I would start him. Yeah. Aaron, coming off a loss like that, when you lose by 20 runs, I know the team, the players, coaches will say, well, it's, it's a new game. We're going to wipe this, the, this, the slate clean. But also, I mean, how do you process losing by 20 points in the College World Series and then less than a day later you got to go back out and play a must-win game? I mean, it's got to be in the back of their minds, right? Well, I think so, Cameron. But at the same time, 
you know, it's baseball players. It's turn the page. They're used to playing every day. You, you get to get a race. What happened yesterday? And I know the saying's always been when I'm growing up is, you know, momentum in baseball is your next day starting pitcher. So uh, yesterday they got rocked pretty good. And as like I said, I think LSU used some guys out of their bullpen later in that game that they haven't been using much just to save their best arms for tonight. I think that's where the, the score got out of hand. I think the LSU team knows that a little bit. So I mean, I, look again, Florida. The one thing that's for sure is. You know, hitting is, is contagious, and if, if they start to see the baseball really good, I mean, um, you know, Florida can kind of carry that, and that's why I think it's important to start schemes tonight if he can go because he's your best pitcher. You don't want that momentum to pick back up in their dugout, and you'd like to, you know, set the tone early that Skeens is on the mound and he's throwing 101 miles an hour, and you guys are going to have a long day, no more 24-run games. That would be my guess. But, it's, yeah, I think, I think the manager will kind of steal it a little bit more than the, the players will. Usually baseball players are pretty good at, you know, moving on to the next day regardless of – because in the end of the day, it's just one loss. I mean, it doesn't matter if you lost by a run or 20 runs. You just lost the game, and you've got one more tonight. Aaron Hogan of B&E joining us here on The Horn, and it is 6 o'clock tonight for LSU and Florida. Uh, if you're a Longhorn fan and you love your history, root for Florida because LSU would pass Texas in the all-time uh, rankings there with seven national titles if they got the win. Uh, Aaron, as I was driving in today, I was listening to you and, and Ty Harrington and, uh, and Ty Henderson talk some baseball, and you brought up Shohei Otani. Every time I see the stats, it just – blows me away I'm trying to figure out how to compartmentalize it how to rank it how to deal with it and I've always had this question in my head of is there going to be a day where it's not even fair to him to compare him to Babe Ruth and I'm thinking like yeah there probably is but my question to you Aaron is are we already there it's getting close it's getting close I think with Shohei I mean as we were talking about he comes out of the weekend leading the, the Angels in every major category offensive and pitching only only pitching category doesn't lead them in his saves because he's not a closer he's a starting pitcher <laughs> right uh, so he really can't lead that i mean he, he leads everything else wins era strikeouts um you know he is far and away the best player in baseball and putting himself in the conversation of the greatest player ever and you know the thing i like listening to is listen to like coach harrington and then former like major leaguers who are in awe of what he's doing they realize I mean, it's the there's the physical side to it chad the just how damn talented he is at whatever he does. He also leads them in stolen bases, by the way, Ugh. and plays a great brand of outfield. But um, he's, he, now for him, it's just all he's ever done. He's always done it. He did it in high school. He kept doing it when he got to the pros in Japan. So this is just kind of the way he does and operates. And I think him doing it at such a young age, uh, at such a high level, has made it a comfort zone for him because the biggest you know, thing that people are amazed by in baseball is just the ability to be – I mean, to be a starting pitcher and go every fifth day and, and know the lineups and, and be locked in and uh, be fresh, right? The recovery after a start. We're just talking about that with Paul Skeens. Well, Shoyo Otani makes a start, and then he goes back and, and starts the next game. He'll DH every now and again, but he's in the lineup. Uh, so to, to, to flip that channel from pitching hat to, you know, having to do a scouting report on the opposing pitcher and, you know, what he's going to be dealing with and, Doing that every single day, it's just it's amazing. Uh, and I mentioned the kid of Florida who's going to start the game tonight. He's kind of doing it at the college level. I don't know if this will start a trend where more players try to do it because now they see that you know, it's possible. I mean, it, you know, I think for a long time, Chad, the conventional wisdom was, you know, it's just not possible. You just can't be that successful at both. It's going to, you know, choose one or the other. Brooks Kieschnick, former Longhorn, did that for a while. 
where he, you know, was a relief pitcher for the Brewers and also, you know, in the lineup in a DH. Uh, and even then it was kind of frowned upon that, you know, you just you can't do it. You'll wear down. It just can't happen. Well, I think Shohei is disproving that. And uh, as we talked about this morning, what, when his next contract comes around, I mean, what's it going to look like? I mean, you got to you have to sign him to half a billion dollars or $600 million <laughs> to pay his worth of what he's giving you as an everyday player in the lineup and producing. And then as a pitcher, he's your best pitcher. So, you know, what is that worth? And, you know, with the new contract, Chad, you're going to, you know, I, I, you would think that the hitting, he's only 28 years old. You would think that the hitting will, he can, you know, hit like that till he's in his late thirties, you would guess. The pitching may dissipate, but he's always going to be a great hitter. Uh, you just wonder how long he can continue to be such a dominant force on the mound. Yeah. Aaron, I asked Joe about LSU and how they've kind of built this roster. Of course, Dylan Cruz, you know, he's been with LSU since he joined the college baseball ranks, but Paul Skeens was from Air Force. Tommy White was from NC State. When you're looking at how David Pierce has built his roster, um, it, it felt like, you know, he added Charlie Hurley last year from the portal, but you know, I feel like it was a little bit lacking in this season. He's kind of corrected that. He's already added three arms from the transfer portal, and he's probably not done yet waiting to see how the July 9th MLB draft goes with his signings. But how do you think in this new age of college baseball with the NIL in the portal that David Pierce should handle recruiting when he can sign the number one class easily, but a lot of these guys are going to be drafted in the first few rounds of the MLB draft and also balance the transfer portal when we've seen LSU able to advance to the College World Championship based off two guys who they've added through the portal. Yeah, they're leading home run hitter and obviously the best pitcher in the whole college baseball. Well, look, and Jay Johnson doesn't back down from it in the press conference after they won the first game. He openly said LSU is the best place to come play baseball for NIL opportunities. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't saying we're going to make, we're going to give you this much because he can't do that. But to, to open the door and say, if you're a young ball player and, and, you know, LSU, a, you can win national championships and it's the best and most fertile place for NIL deals. Uh, that's a pretty open, open idea. And yes, I think David Pierce has to embrace it more, even more than he did last year um, and, and hit on these guys. I mean, they're going to replace a lot of people because I do think the draft coming up in, what is it, July 9th? I mean, I think you're going to see LeBaron Johnson go in the top three rounds. I think you'll see uh, Lucas Gordon get drafted and have a big decision to make. Obviously, um, Dylan Campbell will have that decision to make uh, as, as far as his future. So, yes, you're going to have to load up. And it's obviously it's, it's a new age. Uh, hopefully people are able to listen to some of Ty Harrington this morning because he's talking about it. And he coached 25 years, um, 20 of them at Texas State. And he's even he's kind of – puzzled at how to handle it i mean it's just so much i mean you have to have a full-time person looking at your portal you also have to raise money and while you're trying to raise money for facilities for your program you're also now having to get your boosters to donate for you know nil so you can compete not just to re attract other players but to keep your own um you know you're, you're having to re-recruit your own roster each and every year now at really every school which you know i think we can all agree is probably not the best case scenario but we're seeing it in college basketball with just completely flipping rosters one off season to the next, like, like Rodney Terry is doing. And I think we're going to see David Pierce have to keep on doing it. I mean, it's just, he's got to get in the game. And uh, I know Texas one fund and the folks associated with that are trying to, to raise as much as they can from, from, from fans and boosters and whatnot to make the, the money as good as it can be and as appealing as it can be. There's a new law uh, that's been signed in by the governor uh, July 1st, I believe is when that starts here at the end of the month that, um, you know, incentivizes people in the state of Texas and fans to be able to uh, get perks because of money they donate to, to collectives and uh, the Texas One Fund, for example. So, sure, David Pierce has to be aggressive. I mean, if you're going to appeal to a competitive team, 
that can get to Omaha and win the national championship, which is the, the goal of Texas, then you're going to have to be involved heavily in the uh, in the transfer portal and in that whole realm, without a doubt. You mentioned uh, LSU, Cameron, but you know Wake Forest. I mean, they they stacked their their pitching staff too with guys that came through as transfers. And Rhett Louder was their ace, but the other guys in their rotation, uh, they used you know probably as good as anybody with the portal last off season uh, to attack it. And, and obviously they made it to Omaha and were the number one team until LSU beat them a couple times last week. So absolutely, I mean it's. If you want to win, that's pretty much the, the game you have to play right now. Aaron Hogan, nice enough to join us. Aaron, one more from me here on the Texas football side of things. This running back story is really interesting to me. The 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 visual of Bijan Robinson getting drafted where he did. You throw in Gibbs and the connection with Tashard Choice, both of those guys. It couldn't have hurt the argument uh, that the Texas is trying to make with a kid like Christian Clark and a kid like Jarek Gibson. Just two huge gets in this 24 class. Talk about what Sark's got going right now, specifically in that running back room. Well, I mean, I think the home, the hire of Tashar Choice was a home run. I think that's the first statement to make. I mean, that guy, I mean, it wasn't like Stan Drayton wasn't doing a good job. He was here with Tom Herman and recruited B. John Robinson and helped when Roshan Johnson flipped from quarterback to running back, helped develop him into an NFL caliber running back. I mean, Roshan gets a lot of credit for that too, but the coach has to get some accolade. Uh, but to replace that coach who got the head coaching job at Temple to, with Tashard Choice has just been a home run. I mean, it's been – it's just picked up right where it was. And, you know, last year, Tashard Choice, one of the reasons I think Sark was eager to bring him in was his relationship with Cedric Baxter, C.J. Baxter, from Orlando, Florida. He was the number one back in Florida last year and one of the top in the country. He committed and was here early. He'll be an impact player for the Longhorns, I think, this year at running back and to go into the state of Florida and get him. And then, you know, the kid from Arizona, I think there's a lot of Bijan uh, attraction there for Clark. And uh, and then, gosh, obviously, Jared Gibson. Or here comes this kid that's from Gainesville, Florida, right in the, you know, Florida's backyard, uh, playing at the IMG Academy this year to snatch him. It just tells you how dynamic a recruiter uh, to Shard Choices. We spoke to Jerry Hamilton this morning from Inside Texas, and he just talked about the the way he connects, not just with the player, but the families mm-hmm. uh, to Shard does, and really recruits the, the moms and the dads, and, and really makes them feel, uh, and the way he put it, I think is right. If you're if you're going to allow your son to leave Gainesville, Florida, and, and go play at, in Austin, Texas, you want to feel good about the, the person that you're, you're sending them to play for, and I think that would be a positive for, for, for to Shard Choice, and for Steve Sarkeesian. And you, I mean, if you look at it and you're a player and Arch Manning is there and, and you know that Quinn Ewers will be here for a while and all the weapons, it feels like an offense where you're going to put up a lot of points. You're going to have an opportunity to, uh, to score a lot of touchdowns and make plays. And that's what players want right now. They want the, uh, the opportunity to, to be in an offense like this. So I think it all rolls together. I also, uh, Jerry mentioned this morning, I think it's of note that both of these backs that have come in in this 24 cycle will complement one another. Well, you know, um, the kid from Arizona, Clark, a little bit bigger, probably play about 225 and uh, you know, six foot. Uh, other kids a little smaller, maybe you know 100, 190, 200 pound player. So you know, coming in in the same class, they they could be factors as in this day and age of you know, not not one you know bell cow running back, but but multiple guys that can do different things. I think these two guys are are in that in that. Uh, conversation yeah they both look really good that is aaron hogan check out b and e every morning 6 to 10 a.m bucky's taking a little vacation this week uh aaron as he mentioned had ty harrington in today tomorrow uh jj gotch correct hanging out with you yeah jj the president of the austin gamblers bull riding team will be in but obviously it was with the round express and ryan sanders baseball for so many years 
uh, he grew up in, in Omaha. He used to go to the college That's right. every single year. So uh, we'll get a chance to talk to him. Because as you said earlier, Chad, I mean, Summer have been to a lot of these CWS is calling this one the best that they, they can remember as far as storylines and talent. And they're just really, really good teams because, uh, you know, you got to, to, of the eight teams, I think five or six were top eight national seeds. You have the number one, two, and three teams in the country. And obviously you're down to number, you know, two and three now. And when you look at the amateur draft in July, you're going to see that top five picks were, were all starring in Omaha schemes and Wyatt Langford and, and obviously the center fielder Cruz for LSU and Rhett Louder. So, yes, I mean, a lot of talent, and the games have lived up to it. Let's hope tonight uh, does the same, and J.J. will be in to give us his thoughts and talk some bull riding, which will be fun. Yeah, some good conversation in the morning, as always, from 6 to 10 a.m. Check it out. Aaron, always appreciate the time, brother. Enjoy that game tonight, and uh, I appreciate it. No problem. Y'all have fun. We'll see you. Aaron Hogan, ladies and gentlemen. Check out B&E every weekday morning at 6 a.m. All right, coming up. Next, it's Why Today Matters on this June 26th. We got some monsters in the world of sports with birthdays to talk about, but we also have a stat for you. Oh, it's a collection of stats that's going to make you smile if you love Texas football. Don't move. It's the horn. Rolling through a Monday, Cameron Parker playing stuff outside of Eddie Grant, just outside my reach today, like just outside of it. Like I recognize, but I'm not super confident. Like I want to say like Moody Blues or something. No? Okay. Blue is part of it. So when I played uh, the Rapture earlier, you mentioned more cowbell. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm burning for you. Blue Oyster Cult. There we go. Blue Oyster Cult. My bad. More cowbell. Blue Oyster Cult. Thank you. See, like just like Zay, you got to learn to help the old man out. Kind of walk me towards the answer eventually. Then make me feel like I actually did something. There it is. I'm burning for you. Was this, this, wasn't, was this the cowbell song? No. With Will it was, Ferrell? Um, it was the other one, right? I just don't fear the reaper. No, don't fear the reaper, right? Blue Oyster Cult to go with Eddie Grant and UGK and Jack Stauber and the Rapture Zay Collier on his honeymoon this week. Cancun. That's right. Cam Parker sitting in. I appreciate that. I'm Chad Hastings. Lots of stuff on the board today. Going to get a champion in college baseball tonight. If you're a Texas fan, root for Florida because LSU would have seven titles and pass you in the all-time rankings otherwise. Obviously, in a couple years, LSU, Florida, and Texas will all be a part of the SEC, which means at that point, they will have, uh, no matter what happens tonight, they will share 14, do I have that right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 National titles will be shared between them uh, after tonight, and uh, it'll be it's going to be a wild time in the SEC to add Texas and Oklahoma to an already crazy baseball conference. Again, 15 of the last 18 years, at least one SEC team is in the championship series. That's 
a silly, silly number. We'll see what happens tonight in that one. Let's get you uh, why today matters. we got birthdays to hit, but I also have a stat for you that if you're a Texas football fan, this will make you smile on a Monday. Here we go. Why Today Matters, brought to you by Sinus and Snoring Specialists. Get sinus and snoring relief with Dr. Daniel Slaughter at Sinus and Snoring Specialists. 512-601-0303 or sinussnoringent.com. All right, so uh, a lot of times these numbers, these type of numbers that I'm about to present to you have been used to maybe make a Texas fan not feel great. But right now, Mm. it's used to make you feel great. So Cameron, get ready to feel good. Uh, uh, every Friday on the show, we talk to Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com. Not only is Ketch one of my favorite guys in the business, we used to do a show together. I love when he goes number crunching. I love it when he goes heading down weird rabbit holes and recruiting and stuff and digging through all the numbers he finds. So as a perspective exercise, here's part of a little bit uh, from his 10 thoughts from the weekend that Ketch does every week. And it says... Sometimes I don't think Texas fans truly know what they have on their hands with having two five-star quarterbacks on campus at the same time. Consider the numbers. From 06 to 2020, 29 different five-star quarterbacks have finished their eligibility. Of that group of 29, 76% played in the NFL, 69% were drafted by NFL teams, 38% were drafted in the first round, and 17% were taken with the number one overall pick in an NFL draft. That's pretty good news. Yep. Here comes the better news. This is what the numbers look like if we're just talking about quarterbacks that were ranked number one overall in the Rivals 100. Since Orange Bloods is a part of the Rivals rankings, uh, the Rivals network, that's one of the the marks that Ketch will use. So, again, a quarterback rated number one overall in the Rivals 100. Quinn Ewers is that, and Arch Manning is that. 100% were drafted. 100% played in the NFL. Just a little good news for you on a Monday, Longhorn fans. It's big time. Is it an absolute guarantee every time? No, it's not. But collecting those fives and four stars and stockpiling at all positions like Bama and Georgia and others have done, that's what you want to be doing. That's what Texas is doing right now. So a little bit of a uh, comment on the unique quality of your quarterback room. And again, Cam, back to the discussion of recruiting right now. Not only does Bijan getting drafted where he did make an interesting argument for Clark and for Gibson, but the quarterbacks make an argument for Everybody, the running, what running backs wouldn't want to at least consider coming and hanging out where Quinn Ewers is the guy now and Arch Manning seems to be really cool being the guy that's getting his feet wet and learning things this year and then getting ready to try to step in next year and or the next. If you're a four or five star kid, your dream, even three stars, your dream is to be drafted, right? So you want to play at a program where, you know, you want to win. And probably NIL money is part of it. But for the most part, you want to go to a school where you know, hey, these coaches are going to develop me to become to help me to become the best I can be and to be drafted. It's why Alabama and Georgia have dominated for years. It's why Clemson's had good classes. For Texas, I mean, you mentioned the blue chip ratio, Chad, but how many of those guys ended up being drafted, right? How many were first round draft picks out of Texas? It's been a it's been a low number, it's been a low percentage. And it feels like, you know, you talked about, we talked about the charge choice, right? And how he's had two 
draft picks go in the first round. Now, one was at Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. but Bijan Robinson, and he had Rojo drafted later on. It feels like now, and it could be possible if Quinn Ewers has the year that you know I think I think he'll have if he stays healthy, he could be the first quarterback drafted in the first round from UT since Vince Young. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're getting at a point now where Sark's okay. He's recruited these guys. Now it's time to develop them, and it feels like okay next year it's gonna be it's gonna be Banks, right? He's, he could be a first round draft pick. Xavier Worthy, another first round draft pick. Maybe Quinn Ewers. I mean, we're getting to the point now where maybe it's optimistic as a Texas fan, but it feels like, okay, we're, it's going to be more than just, hey, there's a first-round pick, and then it's going to be the fourth-round pick, and then we're going to have four guys who are going to be signing in uh, who are undrafted. Now it feels like Texas is starting to get to the point where, hey, we might have two or three guys called on the first night, and you look back, usually when that happens, it also means you're winning a lot of football games, right? Yeah. Like Alabama and like Georgia. So I see the path where I see the vision of what Sark's doing, where it's translating from the recruiting trail to the football field to the NFL. Yeah, and what you hope and what all Longhorn fans that are listening right now hopes is that you continue to check off more of those curses. Exactly. More of the curses get checked off. Because when Bijan got drafted, that got rid of that offensive player first round Since curse. Vince Young. But you're now talking about then the Vince Young thing becomes the next, the quarterback in the first round. And that Kelvin Banks thing, that addresses that offensive line issue about how long it's been since a first-round pick, how long it's been since, a, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that is a big part of it as well. By the way, if you missed it earlier, we talked about it. Cameron mentioned it. Caesar Sportsbook puts out odds on the Heisman. Quinn Ewers is sitting second on this list. Which is wild. Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, then Jaden Daniels, then Jordan Travis at Florida State, then Cade Klubnick, J.J. McCarthy, and on down the list. I was interested that Drake May was that far down the list. Drake May is sitting seventh on this list. I figured he'd be a little higher. Yeah, considering it's a quarterback award, pretty much. And as Joe Cook mentioned, it's you know usually goes to one of the best teams in the country and who their quarterback is. It feels like North Carolina could be a real sleeper in the ACC, depending on what happens with Clemson and Dabo. But for him to be below Quinn Ewers, I'm surprised because a lot of NFL big boards, big boards and mock drafts have Drake May as a number two quarterback yeah. behind Caleb Williams. He's below Klubnik and the kid at Florida State. Yeah. That was a little weird Sam to me. Sam Hartman. Yeah, kind of crazy. Now, if you if I gave you money to bet on the Heisman winner, are you putting it all on Caleb Williams, or, or do you like one of the sleepers? Who, who would be your pick, your early pick with 68, 68 days to go until college football is underway? Without looking at schedules, I'd probably still put it on Caleb. First one since uh, Ohio State running back, Archie correct? Griffin, yeah. Archie Griffin, yeah. I just I, – I, because right now, in my mind, that's a, if I thought Texas was going to Bama and winning, that'd be different. I think that's a loss for Texas, so I think that's going to hurt the Heisman chances early. I don't think I'm not saying Quinn's not going to be in the discussion. I think Caleb's got going to have a better chance to put that kind of year together again. I'd be surprised if Texas does make it to Jerry World, and it's not because Quinn Ewers is actually having a season that we thought he would have. Now there, there's a, there's an argument there. You know, I think that. The way the offensive line's built and the weapons surrounding the quarterback position, like if you told me, and getting way ahead of myself, but like if Malik Murphy came in for some for some reason, you could I I would believe that Texas still was in a winning position based on where the roster is at. Whereas in years past, if your number one quarterback goes down, as we've seen with Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, and Ellinger and Sam Buchel, like once the quarterback goes down, it's all right. 
you know, who, what's going to happen. Happened last year with Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. I feel like now, like if Quinn Ewers got injured, I feel good about where the quarterback position's at because of what we saw from Lake Murphy in the spring ball. And we haven't really felt that in a long time. That's true. Yeah, no, some uh, obviously rooms of strength, quarterback, running back, and uh, wide receiver. Longhorn fans, would you swap with anybody in the country right now? Any three of those rooms? It's an interesting question to ask yourself. And if you have to think a while, that tells you something. And if you get to a no on all three, that really tells you something. 68 days till Texas plays Rice. Uh, also today, why today matters. How about a couple of birthdays for you? First off, Derek Jeter has a birthday today. He hits 49, one of the greatest baseball players maybe ever. Uh, how about uh, one of the best football players I've ever seen? Michael Vick is 43 today uh, out of Virginia Tech, of course, uh, an absolute stud at the college level and pretty damn good at the pro level as well. Happy birthday to Vic. Yesterday was Willis Reed's birthday. One of the greats in basketball um, died just this year in 2023. We lost Willis Reed. Uh, Another athlete that has passed, but she needs her love. I try to mention her on her birthday every year because she is a good Texan. Born in Port Arthur. If you want to have an argument about the greatest female athlete that ever lived, I think it's Babe. I think it's Babe Diedrichson Zaharias. Would have been 112 today. Probably could have still swung that golf club at 112. Uh, She died back in 1956. She won two gold medals in track and field and 10 majors in golf. And that's not it. That's not the list. That's just part of her list. Cameron Parker, she is one of the craziest all-around athletes that ever existed. So 10 majors in golf? 10 majors in golf, two gold medals in track and field. I read something about her today I never knew. She claimed to have won like a world sewing competition at the World's Fair, and then they tried to document it. They're not sure about that one. But she (laughs) did win like big-time sewing competitions and sewed all of her own clothes as it went along. All of them. Is that more impressive than the 10 golf majors? Because, like, all three of those on a resume, I mean, that's tough to decipher. And that's not it. I think she played pro either – she played a little bit of, like – she dabbled in, I think, pro baseball and basketball. Go read the bio. It's stupid. She was, again, born in Port Arthur. If you're you're going by that part of the world, if you're in that part of Texas, there is a museum. I've never visited, but I need to one day. They have a Babe Diedrichson Zaharias Museum – Because she's earned it. She may be, for all the great female, she's like the Jim Thorpe of women. It's the best way I can explain her. Jim Thorpe might be the best all-around male athlete ever, if you really want to lay it all out. But Babe took it to another level. Ten majors in golf, along with the gold medal in track and field. Come on. You mentioned the captain turns 49. What did you make of him joining the uh, Fox MLB pregame show with uh, Alex Rodriguez and Big Poppy? Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Now, has yeah. it happened yet? It happened, yes. This past weekend. This was the first one. Jeter debuted I with A-Rod. I did not see it. In a big poppy gifted Jeter, a Red Sox jersey on live TV. It, it, great stuff. <laughs> I, I'm curious how the dynamic works with Jeter and A-Rod because, you know, they don't have the best friendship uh, between former teammates right now. I'm just interested to see where his personality will go mm-hmm. on the air because Jeter always kept things so straight-laced yes. and he was very classy. It's almost like the... In a way, it's like Tom Brady. I'm I'm interested to yeah, see how he will come across as a broadcaster because he was always very buttoned up. Yeah, straight lace, buttoned up. I'm not going to say anything bad. I sense you know Jeter's not the kind that's going to go ripping on players or criticizing players. Not being a a Shaq 
Barkley and Kenny Smith, so to speak. Which is clearly what they're going for because they got rid of Frank Thomas because he was a, a mainstay on that broadcast booth uh, with Big Poppy and A-Rod. Now he's gone. Looks like Jeter's going to be the replacement. But, yeah, I agree with you. You know, what makes the, the TNT show so good and what so many people are trying to copy is they say what they're thinking, right? Shaq and Barkley, they're never holding back. And right. with, with Derek Jeter, like Tom Brady, it, it feels like always listening to their their press conferences, their interviews, nothing they ever said really like, wow, you like, oh, did you hear what Jeter said yesterday about the Mets pitching? Like, no, he was always very professional. And I'm curious, can they tap into a different side of Jeter that we don't know? Because I'm sure there's a sec- another side of Derek Jeter where maybe he is more outgoing and ready to rip the people. But that is what makes, you know, sports broadcasting so interesting is like with Tony Romo is like, you know, Romo, he's going to, he'll tell you how it is for what he sees on the field. And that's what people like, right? You're drawn to right. Troy Aikman because Troy Aikman's going to rip into a quarterback who's not making the right throws. Yeah. Will Jeter do that? That's what makes the shows interesting, but it's a it's a new dynamic, and yeah, I'm here for it to see how it, how it works out. Yeah, I'm interested to see if you can if you can do that, like that the image of say Michael Jordan in a front office, Elway in a front office, maybe even Jeter in a front office is they just run into well the guys aren't you, you can't tell a guy just to be you. I would love for a broadcast version of that to be created, like sit up there as Derek Jeter and tell me why they're not Derek Jeter. Yeah. Like, go ahead and do that and see if we can make it entertaining. Uh, I do need to check that out. I didn't realize Jeter had already made his debut. So that apparently happened over the weekend as well. Up next, we'll get you stems and seeds, set you up once again for Florida and LSU tonight. Also tell you what's coming uh, on the horn tonight, including the Monday night lineup. Uh, Stay with us. I hope you're having a good Monday. Keep cool out there. It's going to be another blazer throughout the week. So stay safe out there and keep it right here on the horn. even spacier version of the song than the original yeah i didn't think you could get any spacier than the uh the original version of this one this would be tomorrow never knows by the beatles that's correct chad we don't we don't know who's gonna win tonight do we uh that's true oh i see what you're doing there i thought maybe you were going off the fact that yesterday was global beatles day it was oh okay didn't even know there was a thing Let, let's go with that instead how about that i don't know if there's ever been a song written whose first line clearly tells you everybody's hammered on substances (laughs) than this one. Turn off your mind, relax, and float down streams. I mean, and then what? It is not dying. I think that's the first full line. We've really told you where we're going at that point. It's like Lennon says that losing the sky in diamonds wasn't about LSD. It's like, come on, man. We've listened to your work before, John. Yeah. Come on. It was not exactly. Have you seen your hair? 
Tomorrow Never Knows and She Loves You start very differently. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a very different beginning. Shout out to all you Beatles fans, whether you love the whole run or you have certain pockets. Maybe you're more of a Tomorrow Never Knows Beatle fan, or maybe you are more of a She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand kind of Beatles fan. But it was Global Beatles Day yesterday. And yes, we don't know about tonight. LSU and Florida getting after it in the College World Series final. There's a big discussion about uh, Skeens and should he throw tonight. Should he throw it all, I guess, is the first question. If you want to be super conservative on this thing, or maybe it's not super conservative, he threw 120 pitches on Thursday. Yeah. I believe that's right. So, you know, three full days of rest plus a little bit, you know, getting you to 6 o'clock tonight, do you start him? Or are you keeping it? Because here's the opposite. We had the discussion earlier. I threw out the idea, had Aaron Hogan on, and I said, you know, my gut would be if he's a starter, don't you let him start? And Aaron said, well, yeah, one argument could be if you don't start him, there may not be an opportunity. Okay, but what about the opposite? What if you start somebody else and you get like an eight-run lead? What if your bats go crazy and it's 8 nothing in the fifth? Well, then you don't need skeins at that point. You could you could just hold and hold and hold and realize, all right, we could save the kid's arm. Other guys step up. So we'll see how LSU does it tonight. But, Cameron, you brought up a great point earlier. The psychology tonight is fascinating. This is a goofy game. It messes with your mind anyway. So you to lose an extra inning game one has to be defeating in a way. You know you, you know you have no leeway at that point. You lost in 11 innings, walk-off home run, crowd goes crazy, Cajuns, you know, repelling from the ceiling and everything. And then you come back and lay a 24-4 to on them. So Florida answers in that regard. But then are they two up because it feels like they won it already? Because they just they're, you're massacring somebody 24-4. to So you have to remind yourself there's one more left. While LSU is trying to remind themselves, doesn't matter. They could have beat us fifty to four. That doesn't matter. Just it's one. It just counts as one. We've got twenty-seven more outs. We have to find it. Like that whole psychology tonight is fascinating to me. Yeah, as Aaron said, momentum in baseball is your next starting pitcher. And if that's Paul Skeens, then I feel pretty good. Even though Chad, looking at his stats from this season, the shortest amount of rest he's had before between outings, only five days. So this this is uncharted territory for Paul Skeens this year used by LSU. But doesn't mean he's not ready. I mean, he was asked yesterday, I think Chris Budden asked him when he came off the bus before game two, he's like, I won't pitch today, but I'm ready for tomorrow. And tomorrow is now today. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're trying to win the national championship, you got to have your best pitcher and possibly the best pitcher in the entire country, possibly the number one pitcher in the next in MLB's draft. You got to use him at some point, even if you don't. Whether it's you start him, or you use him in a leverage situation, like Joe Cook suggested, I feel like you got to find a way to get him out there. And even if it is, give him get get a window in your mind. Even if it's one inning, you, him, everybody agrees. Hey, how you know you going through a workout, kid? How you feeling? And if everybody agrees on, all right, here's how we're going about this. Fifty, that's our number. Everybody good? Okay, kid whatever agent he already has, parents, everybody, okay, all right, we're going 50. 50 pitches, everybody good. Or it's three innings or whatever that is. We'll see if they want to go with Skeens tonight. 6 o'clock, LSU and Florida. You got a pick in this game? 
I think I'm leaning Florida, but Jeff Howell just texted me. Today would have been Skeens' bullpen day anyway, which is a good point because he pitched uh-huh. Thursday. So it, it, it's I don't know how much the rest really will matter, considering today would have been his bullpen day. I mean, I feel confident in LSU's ability, but I feel like Florida's been the better team all season long. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Florida here. Okay, I'll lean LSU there. I think those bats will show up, and I think Skeens is gonna be one of the heroes of the night. So I'll lean towards the Tigers there. By the way, somebody earlier texted us about have there been any transfers? This is going to basketball now. Have there been any transfers out of West Virginia since the Bob Huggins situation? There have been. I think there's three guys that had transferred at one point. Now one of them has a new home. There's a story uh, that is being reported today day and uh we'll get to that uh let's get stems and seeds going here if we hadn't done that yet no stress no seeds no stems no sticks my bad snoop i meant to bring you in stems and seeds av consultations 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com so the man's name is trey mitchell he had entered the transfer portal and kentucky lands him today how about that they were the favorite immediately for Mitchell as soon as he jumped in the portal. He did that Friday morning. They brought him in for the weekend, and he's already a Kentucky Wildcat. That's how quickly it can happen. And also West Virginia, I believe, uh, Mo Wagu also entering the transfer okay. portal. So that's, I believe, their number four. So it's four now. Okay. I believe it's four. Yeah, that is a rough, rough situation for West Virginia basketball. Speaking of basketball, we told you the story earlier, uh, the breaking news of John Collins in the NBA going to Utah. Rudy Gay headed the other way to Atlanta. So, Cameron, again, to be clear, you think this is the this is Atlanta clearing some space to make other moves when we hit free agency? Yes, the new CBA deal that's going to kick into effect, I believe, next season is going to penalize teams who have, you know, have gone past the luxury task. They're in that, that second apron. They call it so teams are trying to clear the deck salary cap wise and also $73 million for John Collins is a lot of money especially for a guy who you thought about trading for the last two three years so it feels like to me they're clearing some salary cap space to maybe make another move to surround Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Okay. Interesting. All right, keep an eye on that. Atlanta may be a team ready to move. Early uh, July is when the trade deadline will hit. Um, We've been talking a lot of recruiting today. Texas football with Jarrett Gibson and Nate Kibble added to the 24 class. If you're a Texas basketball fan, good news there too. Chris Johnson, uh, who had originally committed to Kansas, then pulled that commitment, changed things, and uh, wanted to relook at that at all. The six-four combo guard has picked Texas. And uh, another quick college basketball note: see this one, Bama point guard Javon Quinterly mm-hmm. into the transfer portal. He'll be transferring as a grad transfer. Chad, he's going to be a very, very hot commodity in the yeah. market. I don't, I don't think Texas. I mean, I'm sure they're going to contact him. I wouldn't expect him to, to come to Austin because he's probably going to want you know a little bit more usage, more playing time. But that's going to be uh, he's going to be a big target for a lot of top schools. Yeah, felt like a guy that was going to get you know come out, come off an injury, get some more playing time at Bama, but that's not what he wants to do. So he'll end up somewhere else. Also, again, if you're a Spurs fan, good news: Victor Wembanyama not going to play in the World Cup, the FIBA event, going to prep for his time with the Spurs and the Paris Olympics next year. Also, Spurs fans, they've started to the home preseason games are now on the schedule. So get out there if 
you want those tickets to go check out Wimby in his first year. Thanks to Cameron Parker for helping out today. He'll be back tomorrow. So will I. Ball Don't Lie coming up with Mike Harge on vacation. Rod Babers, Patrick Davis off of vacation. Then Soccer Matters at 7. Keep it right here. Two.